Hey everybody, this is Nate Smoyer and you're listening to the Tech Nest Podcast. This is the show where we sit down with the leaders in real estate and technology to find out what they're doing to transform the way we buy, sell, and invest in real estate. If you've got an interest in real estate and technology, stick around, you're in the right place. We've got a great show for you guys today. Imagine this, you're renting where you live and you earn back your rent as an investment. You know, so typically you have to buy the house to be able to get any money back out of it. But imagine you could be renting it and then you get paid out on investment. Well, this is basically what Arrived Homes is working on. Uh, Today, I got to interview the CEO. His name is Ryan Frazier. Very smart. He knows what he's doing here. And what they've created is a fund that renters who rent Arrived Homes homes can then participate in this fund and then earn dividends back on the fund as long as, you know, they hold the, the shares of the fund. And, you know, I'm probably not doing that the best job of explaining what they do. Uh, so let's just go ahead, jump right into the interview so you can hear how Ryan talks about it and the opportunity this presents. Check it out. Well, hey, Ryan, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you taking aside the time. Uh, you know, I, I know people are probably listening to this somewhere during the week, but it is a Saturday, so I do appreciate that. Uh, as any other CEO in the startup space, you're hustling and grinding, I'm sure, seven days a week. So there's probably not much difference between Monday and fr- and Saturday. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's hard to do, but Saturday in Seattle, so yeah, I'm willing to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, let's let's start off with the basics here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and let everyone know who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm Ryan Frazier. I'm one of the co-founders and the CEO of Arrived Homes. Um, a way for people to build home equity with the freedom of renting. Um, so our members um, rent from us and a portion of that rent every month uh, accrues into our real estate fund. Um, so it's a way of building home equity without committing to a single home or a single city. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what we're working on. Very cool. And, um, you know, I know that you and I had an opportunity to talk many months back, you know, prior to you were even, uh, really starting with arrived. I don't think you even had the name yet, but, uh, and we were talking through like multiple different ideas that you had and you're working on. So can you, can you possibly share some of your background and the story as to how you ended up starting Arrived? Yeah, yeah, happy to. I mean, I think that it, it, the idea itself was kind of a hangnail for, for a couple of years. Um, between my co-founder and I, we were kind of crunching the numbers and we basically moved every year for the last 10 years. Um, and so the idea of a 30 year mortgage or just committing to a single home for a very long term, um, just kind of seemed further and further away. But at the same time, we were wanting to, uh, build an investment in real estate and we had obviously learned about kind of wealth that can come from that. And, and in general, just want to drive our, you know, housing costs down or how much we're spending, um, per month. And, and that was a long-term benefit of home ownership that we were feeling like we weren't going to be able to kind of get to. Um, and so a couple of years, we, or a couple of years ago, we were kind of uh, renting by investing maybe what we would have used as a down payment in like public 
uh, real estate funds. And we were using the uh, kind of dividends and return from that to basically offset rent. Um, and there were periods of time when it worked really well. We were able to offset like 70% of our rent at times. Um, but other times it was pretty challenging uh, just as the market moved on kind of sentiment and uh, the latest news cycle. And so for us, as we were kind of using it for these like short term um, objectives, it, it, I don't know, there were just challenges with it. And so that kind of got us thinking of, okay, what would a, you know, consumer focused version of this look like? Something that was really easy for people to use and to understand that allowed them to rent, but also to um, build ownership in real estate um, yeah. and kind of bring those two things together. Yeah, I, I love the creativity there, right there off the bat of leveraging public REITs to pay your rent. I mean, that's like, that's such a great hack. And it's not even a hack. I mean, it's just, a, it, it's so straightforward, but all at the same time, creative. Um, so I love that. So let's, let's start getting into the nitty gritty here. What's the real big problem then arrived is looking to solve? off. Yeah, I think that, um, the biggest thing for us is just the like flexibility, um, in housing today where we see more and more people are choosing to rent. And, you know, part of that is certainly real estate prices. Um, uh, but there's another piece, which is people don't or can't commit to uh, the area that they're currently living in for more than a couple of years. Maybe they're moving for work or they know that they want to relocate in the future or they don't know what their family's going to look like um, three or five or 10 years down the line. Um, and so it makes buying really tough. Um, and so we really want to kind of be a replacement for that, for those individuals that have chosen like, okay, renting for flexibility is is right for me right now. And we're trying to give them kind of rent plus plus. So rent plus the benefits of being able to, to build an investment for that period. Yeah. I mean, cause every, you know, people want the benefits of homeownership. They want the stability of something that long-term has upside, you know, flexibilities of equity, whether you're doing a either cash out or you're doing a HELOC, you know, that, gives you those types of things, mm -hmm. but it's hard to commit. Like you said, 30 year mortgage. I think that uh, a lot of, especially the millennial audience, my friends, uh, you know, that 30 years sounds like a long time to be planting down in one spot. Like I, there's no way I could make a 30 year commitment, let alone a five year. Um, it's, yeah. it seems like the current model is outdated and this seems like a, a pretty, uh, pretty interesting uh, take on correcting that. So maybe walk, walk me through here an example, right? So uh, let's say I'm a renter, right? How does Arrived, like how, how do I work with Arrived and what's that process look like? Yeah, so uh, oftentimes the starting point is people are coming to us um, and they're looking to, you know, move someplace new. Um, so maybe their lease is coming up in the next couple of months. We help them find a home um, either already in our network or available on the market. Right. And then Arrived buys that home um, and rents it to the individual. Um, they make a, what amounts to kind of a security deposit, but in place of that, uh, they make an initial investment into our real estate fund 
Um, and then a percentage of their rent every month also gets contributed to their account. Um, but yeah, basically we, um, our company kind of buys the home and we rent it out to the individual and then they get ownership, uh, in the, in our real estate fund. So are they, do you have realtors then who are helping them shop to, for, for homes that fit the criteria you're willing to buy? Is that kind of like, like they have to meet a screening criteria that, Hey, they're good fit for arrived. How do you guys pick those homes? Cause I imagine, you know, if I'm going out to buy a house without my money, uh, I might, I might try and push the boundaries a lot on that to see what, what can I squeeze in? What can I get? Yeah, so part of the, um, I guess the available homes are going to be ones that we've already uh, purchased. Outside of that, we basically have a uh, more of the kind of quantitative or math-based screening uh, of homes that are available, and it kind of goes through that first. Got it. Um, and then the kind of waiting members get to provide their qualitative feedback after that. Like, yes, no, this feet, this fits. Um, the criteria I'm looking for. And we try to basically combine the best of both. So more of our um, number-based assessment and then um, the like arrived members more like qualitative yeah. appeal-based assessment as a secondary measure. Yeah. What, what are some of the criteria that you're looking for? Obviously don't give me, give away the, the secret sauce here, but what are you looking for that you think is going to be the best fit for, you know, your portfolio, as well as, you know, hit the, the masses of, you know, people looking for that type of home? Yeah, I mean, it, it's maybe a, a cliche, but uh, location is really important for us. Like where there's specific areas of cities um, that we're looking at, number one, outside of that, it's um, specific floor plans that we feel like are good long-term investments right now. Um, yeah that are maybe in undersupply. Um, and that's specific to the city as well. Um, but uh, th those are some of the uh, kind of important criteria. And then after that, it goes to um, the price we could purchase for and, and what we could rent it out for. Um, yeah. So fairly simple in, in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, and so what are some of those, uh, I guess are, you have different states or cities then that you're currently focused on? Yeah. So our first uh, properties are in kind of what I guess we're referring to as the heartland, which is in some ways subjective, but essentially growing cities in, in the middle of the country. Uh -huh. um, and, and so we're not um, active in, let's say, the top 20 cities right now. We're kind of looking at fast growing cities within the top 100, though. Okay. Um, and kind of using that to build up in, in this first phase and then figure out when's the right time to kind of grow beyond that. There's so many companies focused on the Midwest and, and Heartland uh, right now. I think there's, I mean, there is a driving attraction to those cities. The cost of living is, is good. Tech companies now can be anywhere. Um, you know, they don't have to be you know, you get your start in the Bay Area is what I'm seeing now. People say, you know, still start your company in the Bay Area, but then don't try and scale it there. Well, then they move to other cities. Like, I think like Tulsa, Oklahoma right now is like paying people if you work remote to like move there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've seen a couple of cities doing that actually. Kind of oddly enough, they're paying like relocation fees or up to $10,000 to relocate. It's pretty interesting. 
it, it is fascinating to think about that. I mean, and, but that's, see, that's like, I think that's some confirmation for, you know, kind of the path that you guys are headed down because those are cities recognizing that today's, you know, today's people who are, you know, highly skilled professionals still don't want to be tethered by, you know, long-term commitments and they want some flexibility. And if they're working remote, I mean, that's the ideal persona. I mean, it's minimal impact on a city. They tend to have more, you know, discretionary funds. So, I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think it, it, it lends to what you guys are doing as, as proof that, Hey, this is something that people are asking for. I mean, since I kind of just answered this question, but I want to get it from you. Why do you think right now is the time to, to push on this sort of model? Yeah. I'm not necessarily sure like why, right now it's it feels like it's been something that's been building for the last couple of years where um for people we're talking to who are interested in arrive um they maybe you know saw what had happened in 2008 2009 they aren't wanting to take on more debt um and they may have you know student loans could be a part of that but not necessarily i think there's just an aversion to getting locked in and getting locked into these large mortgages um and so that's one piece of it the other is certainly like it does seem that remote work in some ways but in general just the willingness to move to new cities to take on a job opportunity you're excited about is growing quickly um and cities are supporting it, as you were saying. They're seeing it as kind of a wedge to um, bring new industries and new companies to their area by being friendly to remote workers. Yep. Um, there's all of the co-working that has kind of blown up as well. Um, so I think people's you know mindset and openness to that has has shifted a bit. Um, and, and so for us, that's a piece of it. The thing we're trying to think about from a timing perspective is, um, you know, we are operating in a market where our supply is, is based on, you know, the prices of all of these properties. And so we're also kind of watching the market very closely mm-hmm. um, while, we, while we build up our, you know, base for the business now and, and figuring out like, I don't know, what does the next three to five to 10 years look like in, in real estate prices um, in the different areas that we're in. Yeah. I'll, I'll be looking for that detailed report. So I know where to put my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anyone's it's, guessed it's, to some degree at, you know, I mean, I'm sure you follow, well, I mean, I don't know how much you follow the pundits, but I mean, I, I laugh when I look back at the last three years, four years of, you know, media coverage of the real estate industry because it seems like for the last three, four years, the the narrative is a recession is going to hit next year and it's going to be huge. Mm. I keep hearing this, you know, and I, while I, I believe and still uh, think that um, real estate does operate in cycles, um, I've just chosen, I'm like, you know, I'm a, I, I can't, I can't even listen to this stuff anymore. You know, I'm, I'm in this long term and so you, when you talk about knowing prices, I mean, that's hard to know in 10 years, but if you're working for a 10-year vision, I think that's the right perspective because otherwise you're just setting yourself up to get burned if you're looking to do exits in two and three years. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that even, uh, 
I don't want to equate iBuyers to flippers, but iBuyers are finding extreme difficulties in, in earning um, a profit on their quick turnarounds. And I can't remember who it was that just put out the report, but it was basically flippers in the US are reporting like the, the smallest margins that they've ever put up. I mean, it's extremely tough to, to get margins on that quick turnaround. And it just, you know, part of the industry, it's not, it's not that fast moving that, you know, people might be, but the industry itself is pretty slow. Um, yeah. So, so when did, when did you guys actually launch the, the site and, and announce that you were going to be doing this? Cause I know it was, it was just this year, right? Yeah. So we, we started the business this year, um, went through some fun with securities and real estate law for, <laughs> uh, for a while to, to make that work. And then we launched, um, officially in July. Um, so yeah, so still early. What have you been doing to gain traction? Cause I, I know you guys are, you're, you're bootstrapping this. You, and you, I mean, you're no, you're no stranger to the startup world. So I'm just curious what, what you've been doing to gain some traction and, uh, you know, and, and get some adoption going. Yeah, I think for my co-founder and I, we're just very eager to learn from people who get intrigued by our model. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really what we've been doing, just kind of putting the information out there on forums like Reddit um, or on social media like Twitter um, and using that to seek feedback. Um, and I, it was kind of our gut, but it, it did play out that like, Housing is such a polarizing topic that as we put it out there, um, it tends to get people talking. And so that, that's been really helpful for us. Um, and so we haven't done any like paid channels or anything like that. It's really just been let's engage in these niche communities and get people talking about it and get as much feedback as we can. Yeah. You know, I can't agree more. And, and, and you're based right in Seattle. So uh, housing is like constant discussion. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it wasn't that long ago. I was also in the Northwest and it feels like, you know, in some cities like DC or Chicago, politics is commonly, you know, is the topic of, of choice. It seems like in the Northwest, it's now all housing and real estate because the boom has been so significant, but also that there's, um, you know, significant challenges for people to try and own, uh, you know, real estate up in that area. So, it makes a lot of sense to, to work in those organic channels to get that feedback. Um, I want to talk about this calculator you got on your website. Cause this is, I think this, <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll, we'll plug this, the, epi- the website at the end of the show, but I mean, arrivedhomes.com is a site if you guys want to check it out. So I'm looking at this right now and I just want to make sure I'm doing this right. So I've got, uh, I set my monthly rent to 1500 initial investment is 3000. So that's, first month's rent and deposit. Is that what that is? Yeah. Essentially it's kind of in place of the deposit, but it's in addition to your first month's rent. Okay. Okay. So, okay. So that, that is okay. That's two. And let's say I plan on staying at this place for three years. Actually, I'm going to go down to two because I'm, I'm hyper millennial and I can't do anything more than two years. So, and then it, it spits out investment return our estimated investment in turn return of 6,436. So that's including my initial 3000. So really I'm going to get, you know, as long as I didn't trash the place and causing damages, I'm looking at a potential return of 3,400 bucks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, wow. it's that we end up kind of uh, contributing basically 7% of your rent each month into that. And then because you're a investor in the fund, you get your share of um, dividends or of rent um, and appreciation back. And so that kind of contributes to, to the investment over that period. And so do I, have to, do, do I have to cash out my shares when I move out of an arrived home or do I get to keep that and then continue receiving uh, dividends so long as I don't withdraw my money? Yeah, you get to keep it. Um, we suspect like, you know, some may want to cash out and then they've decided now is the time to, to buy a home. So they're going to use that as their down payment. Uh, and so we can help facilitate that. And then for others, this becomes, you know, a real estate investment for them. Um, just an investment account like any other in Fidelity or Vanguard or something like that. Yeah. It makes, it makes a ton of sense. So we have this initial investment up front. So they, they, they have to show some and put some skin in the game. You know, they're moving into the house you guys have acquired. And then on a regular basis, you're getting, the fund is getting contributions. So you're constantly increasing the fund's ability to expand. And at the same time, the tenant doesn't feel like they're just lining the pockets of the their landlord, so to speak. They're, they're seeing a potential of earning something back, whereas the alternative was nothing, earning nothing back. And so now you have this upside to, well, I don't want to live in a different unit because it's not going to pay me back. I want to live in the unit that's going to pay me back. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what, that's what we're seeing. Yeah. So, so one of the things, and, and, and I want to make sure I understand. So then you have that piece of the business. Are you also the property manager? Yeah, we, so we do manage the properties as well. Um, so they, all of our members work directly with us. Got it. Is there, um, you know, with, with, with property management businesses, cause I've looked into them in, uh, either starting my own and also looked into a few of the franchises. What I, what I kept coming across is that there's like a density tipping point that you have to reach to really make that work. And then, you know, like in most businesses, like there's growth stages, right? Have you been able to figure out what that is going to be for you guys? Because you, you clearly have a, a different financial model here than a traditional property management company would have. Yeah, I think we definitely have a, a slightly different model. I mean, we are the property owner as well. Um, so no different than, uh, I guess, a property owner that's acting as their own landlord. Um, we in the way that we work with our members and in having them kind of co-invest and also kind of cooperate with us on, on how they're taking care of the properties. Um, our hope is like that adds efficiency to the model. Yeah. Um, but I think we're still learning what that looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys have been at it for a few months. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it'll take us some time. Um, but to your point, you know, our, our, we are not, like the, the property management business um, is not like what we will live or die by. So we aren't kind of yeah. only operating based on the income or margins from that. Um, so I think that gives us some flexibility early on where, you know, we don't have to rush to acquire a certain number of properties that we're managing to you know, be able to keep the lights on. I mean, we, the, the model is, is a little bit different than that. 
Yeah. And that's, I guess that's what I was alluding to. So, you know, for those who are listening who may not be familiar, like with property management companies, they're constantly at this push and pull of they need more units to get the revenue to make the business make sense. But then they run into this challenge of, well, we have two more, too many units that we can effectively manage. So we have to go higher. But in order to hire, we've got to raise the number of units. I mean, it's a constant push and pull. Um, but you're not, you know, because you're the owner, you don't have those added layers of fixed ex- expenses getting in the way of that so that you can actually take a different path in scaling, uh, which to me, you know, if I was renting from you guys, then it, it actually is more attractive in knowing that, you know, cause I, I want to know that there's stability and it's not going to be the thing of like, you just don't have time to come fix my toilet. So I'm stuck till Saturday, you know, that kind of thing, which is mm-hmm. unfortunately what you read about in the reviews of most or many property management companies. Um, so before we, we got started here on, on the interview, you, you had, uh, briefly mentioned that you're working on a trade-in program. Uh, can you tell me more about that program and how that works? Because I think this is really interesting. Sure. Yeah. We, and that came out of um, feedback from people we were talking to. You know, as we're uh, talking to interested members, we kept hearing, you know, look, we we already own a home, uh, but we either regret buying or it's no longer in the area of the city we want, or we know we're going to have to move in a couple of years. Can we just like trade you our home? (laughs) Um, and then, you know, maybe we'll stay here for a little while longer or, um, can we move into another arrived property? And we had been thinking about how this might work for a while, um, mm-hmm. particularly for actually like an older demographic that we've been talking to um, that was wanting a bit more flexibility and it built up, you know, yeah. a lot of equity in their home and weren't really sure what they wanted to do with it. Um, so from that feedback, we um, kind of recently came up with and launched this trade-in program, which is essentially a member could come to us, uh, say, you know, look, we want to trade in our home, we'll rent it back for a period of time. Um, we'll convert some amount of our home equity into the real estate fund and then um, basically join a ride that way. So it's kind of a way to get into the network if you're already a homeowner. That makes a lot of sense. So this is, I want to unpack this a little bit. So um, let, let me start with, so you, you talked about um, potentially older demographic who's built up a lot of equity. So what are the alternatives to them doing this? Because it, this seems, it sounds on the surface like a fairly low friction offer. Uh, so I want to like maybe talk through what are the alternatives to see how this compares. Yeah. And I think one thing that's interesting is like, in general, these decisions with housing or in real estate are so personal. Um, so it's every situation is like fairly unique. Um, but if someone's wanting to, you know, sell their home um, or access that equity, then the traditional process is, you know, put it on the market, sell your home. There's the closing costs and commission fees that I think are a, uh, hot topic right now that a lot of people are thinking about. Yep. Um, and then you move out and you go buy another home or rent somewhere else. Um, and I think what we're saying is uh, we can have a more efficient process where 
you know, you still get the equivalent of selling your home. Um, you trade it into Arrive. You can yep. access your home equity in cash if you'd like, or you can convert it into um, our real estate fund. And there's a, a lot less fees for doing that because you aren't going through a whole you know, buy and sell process. Um, you can continue living in the home at that point. So if you were thinking about, look, I want to lock in the value of my home today, uh, but I don't want to leave yet. Um, I think it's a really kind of interesting offering. Yeah. And so like, you know, like you said, you could sell it. There's, I guess, reverse mortgages, which aren't too hot right now, but I do remember multiple times where the, you know, in downturns, reverse mortgages can, can really pick up if you don't want to sell, you want to stay put. but there's mm-hmm. obviously risks and lots of things to consider with that. Um, so this, I mean, this, it just makes a lot of sense. And then even for other people who, like you said, we were talking about before the show and I've read multiple, uh, I think housing wire did a, a write up about millennials for like regretting buying now, probably the first time the water heater blew or something like that, <laughs> man. This, yep, that me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, water heater's not cheap or, you know, a furnace or something like that. And you know, the truth is it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when, you know, and you have to, consider those costs. And when you start adding that up with down payment, with insurance, taxes, uh, you know, it's not always the cheaper alternative that my real estate agent friends sometimes will use as a selling point. So um, it, it makes a lot of sense. There's going to be people who want to just trade in. Be the, is it too early to say the Carvana of real estate? Is that a thing? Is that how that works? <laughs> uh, probably too early, but, uh, but yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's cool. Um, so I, I want to shift a little bit because obviously if you're buying real estate, that can be a fairly capital intensive process. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously you're, you know, you're growing the fund incrementally month by month by having tenants. So that's good. But is that going to be enough to scale operations or are you going to be looking to outside capital in order to scale? Yeah. So we, um, we do have another kind of member base, I should say, um, that invest in the fund um, okay. or invest into arrived who don't live in the homes as well. And they're really looking at it as, you know, access to the income and appreciation that can come from real estate. And yep. so they essentially help facilitate um, our ability to grow and, and support the members that are living in the homes. Got it. And is that something that you're pri- privately offering or publicly going to be offering? Yeah. So we, we have information about it um, on our website. It's We're privately offering that today um, and kind of having conversations there. But ultimately, we, we, we plan to keep opening it up and... Um, allow people to, you know, invest that way more broadly. I think yeah. the, the interesting thing that, that we've seen is um, just because there's kind of the, the idea of like a home savings account that we've come into where people are saving for future down payments, but mm-hmm. it's just kind of sitting, um, sitting and not really doing anything for them um, for a period of time. And it's like, if there's a easy way to, put that to work in real estate in the cities where, you know, they're living or in cities that are good investments during that period of time could be compelling for a lot of people who are still renting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it totally is. Um, 
I've got a, I've got a few friends that they want the plus sides of the real estate, but they don't want to do the long term. And so this, this is the kind of thing that I think offers that up. And I think it's such a unique um, model that it, it probably lends itself to, uh, you know, appearing and, and will likely be a safer investment route than some of the other alternatives that may exist out there that people would be comparing against. Um, well, very cool. So um, I want to shift the, the whole conversation. I feel like we've, we've delved into this and I, I think it, it's really interesting. And I'm excited to see uh, where you guys continue to go with this. But now we are on to my favorite segment of the show. Uh, I like to call this uh, for the future. So for the future is a segment where I get to ask each guest who comes on the show to give their best predictions based on the following four questions. Uh, Ryan, are you ready to play? <laughs> Let's do it. All right. All right. Question number one, what does arrived homes look like one year from now? Hmm. Yeah. One year from now, it seems so far away, but, but still quite close. Um, my, my hope, <laughs> uh, one year from now, I think, you know, we'll be really dialed in on the model in terms of how people come to us with interest in, in joining arrived and just making it very easy to place them in a home and, and have them building investment in our real estate fund, um, and across multiple cities. I think we're still really figuring out that process and what's the best experience for, for those new members. And, a lot of early learnings, but my hope is we, we really dial that in over the next year. Yeah. All right. Question number two, what will the housing market look like one year from now? Yeah, I don't know that. Uh, I guess our forecast on the housing market a year from now is, is that probably not too much will change. I think housing in general follows a little bit longer cycles. Um, it does seem like there's been an uptick in, uh, the, you know, the I buyers that, that you mentioned before. And I'm very curious to see how they expand across the country. And if people start to see that as like a, a very viable way to sell, especially if there's, uh, any correction in housing prices or housing prices start to come down, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, people have been forecasting for the last three years. Um, <laughs> But, but I don't know, you know, how different it will, it will look 12 months from now than, than today. Yeah. You know, I, I have to piggyback on that. It's not just the, the housing correction that's being been forecasted. Um, the, the script I often hear from agents that, you know, and I get these phone calls and I, and I feel okay about picking on agents. You know, I, I worked as an agent, I'm still licensed in Washington and um, it, the script was interest rates are going up. They're climbing, you know, you got to get it now. And I look back, I'm like, they've been flat. <laughs> gone, really gone anywhere. So yeah. who knows? One year from now, uh, I, I tend to agree with you. It's probably going to be somewhat similar. Um, question three, what's un one industry trend you think will continue, but you wish would go away? Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I'm really not sure. Um, and I, I apologize, I'm, but I'm, I'm not sure. The wish would go away is the tough one for me. Yep. Um, 
Mm. This is a rather new question. I, I only implemented this, I think, for season five. I changed it from the, the first four seasons. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how a good answer for you. I guess the biggest one for me is um, the the current kind of offline process with with buying homes today and selling homes today, and um, the amount of paperwork through when oh. you're buying or selling with a mortgage. Yep. It seems like that is continuing. I know there's a lot of companies that are really trying to add efficiency to that process. Yep. Um, yep. But anytime there's, you know, the mortgage or the bank in the middle um, and they have, you know, all the, all the check boxes that they need to, that they need to see there before they allow it to happen. I just feel like that process will continue to be a challenge um, and offline. Um, but I, I wish that, you know, some of these companies that are tackling that would, would have some success. Got it. Um, and question number four, and this is the final of for the future. What's one thing you believe will dramatically change or fade away in real estate as a result of technological advances? Yeah, I think it, it still feels like for whatever reason, um, the visibility to like the housing options that exist it is still kind of, opaque um in terms of like as long as zillow has been around and with you know the traction that you see um, compass or redfin and everyone making um for some reason it still feels like viewing housing supply um is still very challenging both for renters for buyers for sellers um and so my hope is that you know that that process can change. Um, I think part of that is because housing supply kind of pops up when someone indicates that they want to exchange it, like they are ready to rent it out or they're ready to sell or they're ready to buy. And I don't know if um, this trend today and people starting to like indicate their interest in selling or moving earlier will help with that. Um, But it seems like that could be a really important change and and could cause, uh, I don't know, some, some interesting things in terms of how, um, people buy homes or, um, invest in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. That actually could have answered, uh, number three. What's one trend you think would go away is the, the visibility or lack of visibility of new inventory or available inventory. Um, Mm -hmm. the reason I have, far too many real estate apps on my phone because <laughs> I know that there's same. I know there's a ton of overlap, but I, I also know that one app doesn't show everything. And so I got to set up all these smart alerts and things in all different places that I'm watching and following in order to, to get the full picture because it's really difficult. Um, and I imagine it's even that much more difficult for the consumer who doesn't know uh, what is all available and out there or way things could be or should be. Um, you know, so I've lost that lens. I can no longer see it through that perspective, but mm-hmm. it's, um, I want to hit you with a bonus question. This is a first time ever. I'm asking <laughs> the question. I literally just thought of it 
And I, and I, I think I'm going to institute this as a new question. Okay. I know you weren't prepared for this. I did not prepare you for this at all, but do you consider arrived homes to be a tech company or a real estate company? Why? Yeah, we, we actually consider it uh, like a financial services company. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, at the end of the day, um, we want to help people invest in real estate in a way that, um, effectively drives their cost of housing down on a monthly basis. And so that's really our end goal. The fact that we manage real estate is really just because that's the most efficient way for us to do that Mm. by being kind of the, a uh, kind of full stack being the owner and manager of properties gives us an operating efficiency that allows us to um, give all these incentives back to um, our renters. Uh, but yeah, but at the end of the day, we, we kind of see ourselves as a financial services company. All right. We're going to move into the last three questions, Ryan. These are questions for our listeners to better get to know you personally. Um, first one is, what are you reading? Yeah, I, um, it's a good point. Do I have to, uh, does it have to be nonfiction? No, you can say whatever it is. <laughs> Tell me, uh, Dr. Seuss for all I care. I mean, it's whatever, whatever you like to read. Oh, no. Okay. I, um, there's, uh, I, I did someone, I finally read Sam Zell's book, which I think was, um, which was pretty interesting, but a lot of my, reading of books is really for fun. Um, I read recently, it's called Artemis uh, by Andy Ware. He was the um, guy who wrote, I guess, The Martian that the movie came out and all that stuff, but pretty good nonfiction book. Um, and then outside of that, most of my reading day to day is is kind of online. Um, yeah. And it's where I, I just prefer... Uh, for like industry information and learning that way, kind of the short form um, of whether it's news or podcasts or um, anything like that to kind of keep up to date. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, question number two, who are you learning from? Yeah. I. Uh, so for us, just in coming to, um, in coming to this space and, you know, not having a very long standing uh, history in real estate. I mean, really been um, trying to learn from, from those that have been working in this space for a very long period of time. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a couple of mentors here locally in Seattle that we've spent time with. Um, we've joined a couple of online communities. Uh, Geek Estate has been one that's been fun that we've been. Shout out uh, to Drew. We're going to get him on the podcast. Shout out to Drew. <laughs> I'm going to get him on the podcast. Fine. Like it's going to happen. I need to send him yep. an email today and make that happen. I think that's how we met too. Through, uh, through a Geek Estate lunch. Yep. We went to one of the Geek Estate lunches uh, at the taco place in Pioneer Square. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's what, that's where we've been trying to uh, spend yeah. time and, and really learn from the community that's been in this space for, for a very long time. I mean, I'm still rooting for the Pacific Northwest to come up and everyone to recognize the real estate tech and innovation that's coming out of that city, even though I'm in the Midwest and, you know, I'm now flying a Chicago flag, but, um, there are so many, um, there are, there is such a vibrant community as what I would call it, uh, building in Seattle 
that um, I know it's a lot of early stage, seed stage startups. Uh, I think in the next few years, I think people are going to really take note if they haven't, not just Seattle for the growth in real estate and for the, you know, the Titans that have already been there for some years dominating, but I think the, the next wave, I think it's going to come out of Seattle. So uh, you got some good people around you. Um, all right. Last one here. What inspires you? Yeah, I think day to day, it's just talking to uh, people who are interested in what we're doing. Um, even, you know, and, and I mentioned this earlier, but the feedback a lot of times can be polar, like very uh, critical of the, of the model or very excited about the model. And honestly, it's like motivating on either side. The fact that like we're even doing something that causes a conversation um, or that for those that have joined the surface, you know, makes a difference, um, in, mm-hmm. in their life or, or gives them a new option. Um, that, that's the, the daily motivation. Um, anytime I go a period of time without talking to like potential members, um, I definitely feel it like it, it's a small hit to morale. And when we have like, you know, weeks where we're just talking to a lot of people, it's, it's very motivating. Yeah. Very cool. Well, hey, Ryan, I really appreciate your time uh, here on a Saturday afternoon morning for you, uh, talking with me, sharing about Arrived Homes. I'm glad I get to talk to you. Am I at the first uh, podcast interview for you guys? Yeah, first podcast interview. Maybe first podcast I've ever done. There it is. You know, add that to another (laughs) one. TechNest is the first on the beat what's happening in the real estate tech space. Um, Yeah, I really appreciate you sharing what you got going on. I I think it's innovative. It's interesting. Um, And I think there's a lot of people that would be very interested to hear what you guys are doing. Um, Before I close out the show, I want to give an opportunity uh, to you uh, for people who want to connect to you, uh, learn more about Arrived Homes. Uh, where can they find you and info on Arrived Home? Yeah, first of all, Nate, thank you very much. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, if, yeah, if anyone's interested in reaching out, we're just arrivedhomes.com and I'm ryan at arrivedhomes.com. Send me an email. We'd love to, we'd love to chat. Oh, there it is. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we'll be following along. And uh, next time I'm in the Northwest, well, I know I was just there, but... Uh, Next time I'm in the Northwest, I'll, I'll plan a little bit of a longer trip and uh, maybe we can get the whole Geek Estate squad together. <laughs> that sounds perfect. Yeah. Oh, All right. Part two on the tacos. <laughs> sounds good. All right. We'll see you. <laughs> see you, Nate. Well, that's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to the TechNest podcast. Hey, don't forget you can get on the email list so you never miss an upcoming episode. That's technest.io. That's T-E-C-H-N-E-S-T dot I-O. Get on the email list, uh, go to the app store, whether you found us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you found us, leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. And if you've got a guest or someone that you'd like to recommend, or if you think that you'd be a great guest on the show, hey, send me an email, nate at realteampanda.com. That's nate at realteampanda.com. See you guys later.